Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Serie A fan. This will change at the top. As a double game week sees Napoli fall away and Milan back in the first carriage. But with Inter and Atalanta close behind them, we assess the state of the title race and mentally prepare for the European ties, with both Milan and Atalanta potentially facing decisive playoffs. All that, plus technical difficulties, a president arrested, ghost goals, and more on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. It's been one week since we last recorded the podcast. And as Boaz said, just before we started recording, the narrative has changed now so many times that nothing we spoke about is relevant anymore. So luckily, we're back to update you. Kenny, have you been enjoying these last two game weeks? Yeah, I've enjoyed them greatly. It's been a very positive week for for Atalanta. It's been a positive week, I think, for the Scudetto race altogether. But I think on a on a personal note, I enjoyed this weekend because I actually managed to get out for uh, for a meal, and my wife and I went out on Saturday night. I had my my parents down to babysit, so that was a that was a bit of a new experience as well, given the the times we've been living in. So it's been positive, yeah. Good good vibes coming from Edinburgh. Yeah, sounds lovely. I knew something out of the ordinary must be going on when I texted you saying, what a game, and uh, you hadn't been watching it. Yeah, so that was... Catching up on that one afterwards. Yeah, it was uh, recorded, but I had my, uh, I had a few cheeky glances at my phone to, to see what the score was. Yeah, so I didn't spoil it for you. No, <laughs> no. And uh, how about on the beer side, what have you got this evening? I have. I decided that I was going to go back to this thing. Remember a while ago, I was. Uh, I, I said that I was going to try and pick out the most disgusting sounding beers I could. So I, I thought that would be fun again this week. So I bought myself a a Jubal beer cut with peach, which is a, a session lager. I didn't really know that session lager was a thing. Um, it's actually pretty pleasant, but kind of tastes a bit more like drinking a soft drink really than than a beer. So. There you go. Mm. It's uh, probably a, probably a good one for for summer, but maybe not when it's like three degrees outside. Yeah. How many of them do you think you could drink in a session before it got a bit sickly? Before it got sickly, rather than myself, uh, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon <laughs> I, I could probably do a, about two or three. I reckon. Okay, that's not really a session beer, is it? No, I would have to switch to another session lager before I myself became sickly. <laughs> this is the information people uh, log into to listen. Yeah, this is what the advertisers are uh, going for. They? Well, f- fingers crossed. Maybe we'll be getting a beer expert on to help us out. That's your your uh, Christmas party trick set up. You have to drink free of these beers. Anyway, hi, Baz. I didn't introduce you, but um, how have you been enjoying the game weeks? Obviously, Milan back on top. Um, I enjoyed the football, although I was a little bit sickly over the weekend, so I couldn't enjoy it as much as I would have liked to. Yeah, that's a shame. I was also feeling a little bit... <laughs> very genuine. <laughs> it, it did sound very genuine, didn't it? 
Uh, obviously, but as your health is um, utmost concern to me, particularly as I'm holding this podcast with my 100% uh, presence on the, on every pod, every season ever. Good point. Well, I'm glad you've uh, made it to the game, if you, even if you're a little bit late for training. Um, but anyway, what sort of beer have you got? I've got uh, Jaipur uh, DDH IPA. It's a double dry hopped, and it's a nice lime green can. So I'm looking forward to it. Lovely. I have failed the beer challenge this week i'm afraid um i drank many beers over the weekend for my birthday uh, but i've got uh, some wine left over i think it's chilean it's uh yeah nice and cold it's all the praise i can give it it's nice that your birthday falls on the jewish holiday of hanukkah ah uh, yes thank you for that reminder <laughs> yes. happy hanukkah to all of our listeners who celebrate it uh we forgot to say last week but we did want to mention that and also to wish a uh, happy thanksgiving to any of our american listeners or any of our listeners who celebrate that that was from two weeks ago <laughs> happy easter yeah, just anything that you're celebrating around we this should time. probably wish happy hanukkah to boaz as well i guess i did wish him happy hanukkah course, last week a- not on air so anyway happy hanukkah publicly boaz and retrospectively also and retrospectively, that's our style yeah. all right let's talk about football and let's start with that Napoli-Atalanta game, Kenny. Really exciting one. It was on in the pub where I was. Ended 2-3 uh, in Atalanta's favour. Both teams coming from behind. What did you make of it overall? Yeah, it was it was a great game. I mean, um, this coming off the back of Atalanta beating Juve away, obviously, last week. To then go and get a result at the at the Maradona Stadium as well was probably beyond my expectations. I think I've always been kind of following Gasparini's line uh, throughout this season that the Champions League is success for for Atalanta, something that he's repeated this week uh, again. But I do think we we kind of have to start talking about Atalanta as title contenders, and I say that you know without saying that they are in any way favourites because they're not. I mean, we'll get onto that in a bit, I guess. Uh, They're not for me after this weekend. Um, But they definitely are closer to first place than they are to fifth place, which is, uh, you know, when we we spoke again, I mean, I've said this a few times actually throughout throughout our recordings that, you know, Atalanta have supposedly had a slow start. But here they are. They're, um, yeah, four points off off first um, and... It has to be said that it was a really, really entertaining game, a fantastic advertisement for for Serie uh, I mean, Atalanta probably deserved winners in the end, but you have to say as well that Napoli were deserved of going 2-1 up as well when they did. Uh, and then Atalanta just responded absolutely fantastically to, to going behind. And it was something that uh, Gasparini said in his um, press conference after the game, he said the the one thing about this Atalanta team is their mentality, uh, and I think the words that he used were when they go d- when they go down they get angry. I, I think as a, someone who isn't you know that close to the team, what you can definitely say is that they absolutely never know when they're beaten, uh, and they're any time they go behind in the game, you know that there's just as much chance of Atalanta coming back to to take the three points. So. Uh, a really, really entertaining game. Great advertisement for for Serie A. Really, really positive signs for Atalanta. And obviously, they've got you know players coming back from injury as well now, which is a huge 
huge plus for them going into the second half of the season. So I think it's going to be an, an exciting, an exciting run. And like I said, while I don't have Atalanta down as favourites, I would now start to change my my narrative away from them just wanting yeah, to qualify. Yeah, very conservative. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Even including them in the title race before, so that is a change. I, would I say. have been, but I for me, for me, they're they're up there at the moment. Yeah. For sure. Um, an interesting comment about them being angry. Demoral looked quite angry as he thrashed that equaliser in. He did, which maybe had something to do with his involvement in uh, uh, the Napoli. I think it was Napoli's first goal. I'm not sure, but I mean, he was uh, yeah. kind of caught sleeping. And if I could just give a few words in uh, favour of Napoli, you've quite rightfully gone into a lot of detail about Atalanta, but uh, it should be said that Napoli were missing arguably their six best players. Uh, Koulibaly, Insigne, Osimhen amongst them and uh, I think any team would suffer without such players of such caliber but I also want to give some credit to uh, our friend Dries Mertens who had another fantastic game and uh, in a city like Naples to have the initial DM is not so easy and he makes it look so fun. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely worth mentioning. And uh, with Napoli, we, we're not going to talk about them in detail, but they probably did get a little bit unlucky over this run of fixtures, obviously losing this very close game and the 2-2 draw in the game before that. Um, but Atalanta have got a big Champions League game coming up uh, on Wednesday night. Kenny, uh, a must-win game if they want to qualify. Um, and that is at home. They're, they're hosting Villarreal. How are you feeling ahead of that one? Uh, absolutely, it's a must-win. I mean, that's a, a mathematical reality rather than a, a football cliche. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's just, they just have to win it to go to go through. And I, th- I think if you give Atalanta this position at the start of the group stage, they would have uh, bitten your hand off for it. I, I wouldn't have felt too confident after the first three games that um, Atalanta would win this particular this particular fixture, but. You reminded me uh, last week that form is everything. If you're uh, if you're a gambling man, then the form is everything. Uh, and Atalanta yeah. going to this game in absolutely fantastic, fantastic form. So they, I mean, they're going with bags of confidence and also relatively well rested as well because they've um, Gasparini finally, after Boaz mentioned their Napoli's uh, injuries, um, Atalanta have had all sorts of injury worries as well. And those are now, I mean, touch wood if you're an Atalanta fan, now appear to be kind of clearing up a little bit. So he's actually been able to rotate things a little bit. Uh, certainly, Hatabur has been able to come into into the team. So, yeah, uh, it's looking... I, I would never, I would never, as a football fan at all, say that I was confident of, of victory. I think I've said quietly confident before, uh, mainly in in relation to my predictions. But I, I think that if you're an Atlanta fan, you're going to be going into this game feeling good and feeling like it, it is a game that can be won and that Atlanta could qualify incredibly for the, the knockout stage of the Champions League for the third year in succession. So all good, I think. Yeah, certainly an excellent chance. And uh, one of the few predictions I've made this season that they'd make it out of that group when it was drawn. So uh, I'll be... Crossing my fingers for them as well. Um, and it's a pretty big uh, week for Italian teams in Europe generally, actually, because uh, Inter going away to Real Madrid. We'll uh, touch on that one briefly. But first, Boaz, Milan host Liverpool. It could be a very important game, depending on uh, how results go elsewhere. 
lots of injuries still for Milan, but perhaps Liverpool play a, a slightly weakened side. How are you feeling ahead of that one? This game against Liverpool is a game with a particular history. I don't need to tell anyone who listens to this pod the, the past matches between these two teams. And uh, personally, it's a team that I slightly dislike because of that 2005 final and the nightmare and the scars are still fresh for me despite the victory two years later. But um, I'm quietly quite positive about this match coming up, at least more so than I was a few weeks ago. I think Milan's uh, Champions League campaign has been uh, very topsy-turvy and they certainly deserve more against Atletico Madrid at home and uh, possibly deserve to snatch something uh, at Liverpool. Their, their performances against Porto were pretty abysmal and that if, if Milan do fail to qualify, that will be where it was decided. But uh, with Liverpool uh, resting players, as you mentioned, there is no reason for uh, Milan not to uh, have aspirations to, uh, to win this one. Having said that, uh, like pretty much every other team in the Serie A, apart from Inter, Milan are going through their own uh, very long injury crisis. And uh, I think I kind of jinxed them a few weeks ago when I said that they had the best strength and depth because right now they only have uh, one reserve uh, centre-back and pretty much playing a 40-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic up front with uh, Pietro Pellegri uh, going off injured after about 20 minutes in the last game just to add insult to injury. It's not great. And with Leao also... uh, going off injured uh, quite recently. So, yeah, it's it's just uh, one of those periods. And uh, we can hope that maybe uh, Messiah, Messias, who scored against Genoa twice, maybe he'll be the, the difference maker. And uh, this match against uh, Salernitana, at the end of the day, uh, the old cliche is there is no easy games in football, but uh, a match against the uh, bottom of the table, Salernitana at home, uh, before a crucial Champions League game is pretty nice. And players like Kessie and... Uh, Salimaker got on the score sheet and they don't normally get that many goals. So a strikerless Milan can still cause Liverpool some trouble. We'll see what Pioli cooks up. Yeah, I would just very, very briefly add to that that uh, I, I think the, the thing about this game is that it is out of Milan's hands. But I, I do think that, the, I mean, there are two possible results in the other game that put Milan through two out of three outcomes. So while they are dependent on results elsewhere, it's very possible that if Milan win this game against what sounds like it's going to be a depleted Liverpool side, they actually will go through. And like I said about Atalanta before, I think if you'd offered that to Milan two weeks ago, uh, I think people like Boaz would have bitten your hand off for it. Yeah. I'm not sure I ever mentioned this on the pod, but um, several years ago, um, I was visiting my parents in Italy and... There was one of these, uh, the greatest awards or one of these strangely named football awards. And Jurgen Klopp and uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic were having a little chat off camera, but the Sky Italia cameras accidentally filmed it. And I uploaded it to YouTube, went out for a couple of beers with my friends and my phone kept giving me notifications. And uh, to date, this video has like 2 million views on YouTube, but unfortunately, Sky Italia claimed all the money. But uh, having, (laughs) that was a long way to say that in that video, Klopp was like, Zlatan, why don't you come play with me at Dortmund? And, and Zlatan was like, why don't you invite me? And stuff like that. And this is, I, the, I believe it's one of the one of their first reunions since uh, Zlatan was at United, probably. So it, it's always nice to see big characters meet. Yeah, maybe Zlatan can uh, recruit Klopp him to come and take over Milan when he leaves Liverpool. We're very happy with Pioli, I, I will say. I know that Zlatan wants a director of football role, uh, so maybe you could take over that and appoint the next manager. 
anyway, yeah, as you mentioned, Milan in good form in the league uh, in the two game weeks, winning 3-0 away at Genoa and then the Super Saturday 2-0 victory over San Natana as it was being built. As an aside, um, I mentioned Messias there, Messias there briefly, and uh, he scored a, a crucial header in the match we didn't really mention against Atletico Madrid, and also scored a header against Genoa. And it's quite funny to see that uh, this guy's uh, career headers are free goal, free headers in Serie C, one header in Serie B, one header in the Champions League, one header in the Serie A. So a very nice career progress. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Inter then, as uh, I said that we would. You could perhaps argue, Kenny, and as you were saying to me just before, that Inter are the favourites going into this game against Real Madrid off the back of their 3-0 victory against uh, a waiter, Mourinho's Roma. Do you still uh, stand by that opinion? I mean, well, what I said to you, you could argue that. I stand by the opinion that you can argue uh, that that (laughs) that that is the case. Because Inter are looking great. I said about Napoli, I think, last week uh, before they, before they, I, I gave them the Scudetto curse of them uh, drawing a game and losing a game. Um, I said that the sign of champions is to get games done early and then to just shut them down. And that's exactly what Inter uh, did against Roma. But um, I, I'm sure we'll get onto that, that game in a moment. Um, but Inter are, I had said before that Inter had been lacking, you know, they they were lacking that kind of uh, conviction of Conte. They had that, they had a bit of vulnerability that Conte had managed to iron out of them. Well, it now appears that Simone Inzaghi has been able to iron that out because they have been absolutely dominant in recent weeks. They're, for me, not only looking like they could potentially be... Um, favourites in this game, but they're looking like they could potentially actually, for the first time this season, uh, for me, be favourites for for the league. And it's something that a lot of Italian journalists who are uh, much much cleverer, obviously, than I am, have been saying s- since the start, and I've been doubting it, that they're uh, still amongst the favourites for, for the Scudetto. Uh, but they're now really beginning to show that for me. I mean, it's kind of in a way a dead rubber, isn't it? Both both of the these teams are through, but uh, I think Inter, given especially given that they've been ten, the yeah, and they've been ten years without qualifying, I think they want to do it in style. It would certainly be a statement of intent. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I, I think that's something that Simone Inzaghi would uh, be keen to kind of uh, a, a statement that Simone Inzaghi would be keen to send out. Inter were brilliant on the weekend, and um, as Kenny says, I also think they are probably the favourites for the Scudetto, particularly because their run-in in the next few games is very comfortable. But uh, having said that, uh, it has to be said that um, the team they were playing against, uh, Jose Mourinho's Roma, were pretty hapless, and uh, I think the the whole situation there is getting a, a little bit uh, tragic or slightly comic as well, if you're not a Roma fan, but... Um, it didn't really look like um, Inter had much uh, of an opposition in front of him and it was even a little bit insulting to see uh, Roma kind of defending a 3-0 loss like they were uh, leading 1-0 away in a, in a crucial Champions League tie. Overall, I think uh, there's big trouble in Roma. We'll, we'll mention it a little bit later as well, but the move fairy tale has uh, turned sour very, very quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's third season Mourinho by Christmas, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> Not the first person to say that, but it uh, looks to be true. I guess the thing to say is that Roma did look competitive for the first five minutes of this game, basically. 
And then I don't know what happened, but they looked like they were so up for it at the beginning. And the early signs of Zaniolo in that false nine role were really, really positive. I mean, he was hungry. He was closing down. He was creating problems. And then after Roma went behind, I mean, and we're not even talking about when they were 3-0 down and they were defending. I mean, after Roma went behind, they basically offered so little. Uh, the, I mean, that's that's the most worrying thing. There was no reaction, really, at any point. Yeah, well, they have a, a chance to bounce back on their own European adventure to CSK Sofia this uh, Thursday. Just for a quick roundup of everything else, uh, an independent report claims that a tragedy was narrowly avoided at the Euro 2020 final at Wembley. Uh, blame's been assigned to UEFA, the English FA and the Metropolitan Police. So yeah, thankfully we avoided another disaster. Sampdoria, oh this is a different point, sorry. <laughs> Sampdoria President Massimo Ferrero has been accused of financial crimes following uh, the news about Juventus last week. The Sampdoria president's been arrested by the Italian police and uh, resigned as president. Also, former Palermo striker Fabrizio Micolo begins his prison stint following links with mafia and extortion attempts. Um, so that's your crime roundup <laughs> for, the, for the week. Yeah. Um, I mean, that Sampdoria story is huge. We should just uh, very briefly kind of touch on that. And it we obviously, caps off a horrible it's just week, broken right? today. It's funny because it comes in a day where Berlusconi said that football is no longer a, a game of family owners uh, and it, it has uh, involved uh, Ferrero's daughter and another member of, of the family, this one. Uh, it doesn't relate in any way to Samdaria, that has to be pointed out, but it is corporate crimes and financial irregularities relating to four companies that he was involved in and yeah, he. I mean, he was ar- arrested this morning. Somebody issued a statement saying that they were shocked by this. And it sounds like, I mean, it came from nowhere, really. Uh, I, I guess not if you're one of the, the prosecutors or those investigating the case. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that's been in the papers in any way, shape or form. Uh, and definitely is dominated uh, discussion today, really. So uh, I mean, it caps off a horrific week for, for Samdaria, but it appears to have been something that has given Daversa uh, a, a little bit of uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for here? A respite. Respite. I mean, he was he was basically sacked, were the rumours that he was going to be sacked, and then this story broke, and all of a sudden he's got until the derby to, you know, turn it around. So, um, But by all, by all accounts, it sounds like Daversa's off as well, uh, and they're just waiting to delay his announcement of his sacking until they've uh, secured a replacement. So a horrible, horrible week for Sampdoria in which they lost two games on the field as well. You speak about Massimo Ferrero, but we should say he is or rather was one of the most colorful owners in Serie A. And to give a little bit of context, uh, Pietro Vierkovod, who is a legendary Italian centre-back and uh, Sampdoria stalwart, he said that... uh, this is actually a blessing in disguise because they were getting rid of the lunatic from the club. Good commentary there. Um, yeah, and, and last thing to mention in this section is just uh, Empoli's comeback win uh, tonight against Udinese, who went 1-0 up after 20 minutes. Empoli ending 3-1 winners. This news is, uh, also follows the fact that uh, uh, Udinese's easily forgettable manager, Gotti, is also risking the sack following this defeat and a pretty dismal season thus far. Yeah, uh, not enough to earn them bad week, though. Don't think, anyway, they're not down as one of our nominations. We've got Roma, Venezia, Genoa. 
What do you think, Kenny? I had actually nominated Samdaria as a possible, uh, not not Udinese, but Samdaria as a possible for for bad week. But I think Venezia, uh, after the result at the the weekend, being three nil up against Verona and managing to throw that away. Uh, we, we've, we've spoken there about how Roma have had a, a bad week. Genoa famously have not scored a goal since Shevchenko's come in. But, I mean, Venezia to lose 4-0 against Atalanta. Understandable, Atalanta are a team playing in the Champions League. Um, and Venezia were very, very um, nice in their response to this, actually. They said, this is, like, in response to this result, they said, Atalanta, this is the template we want to follow. Uh, an understandable defeat against a, a better team or something like that on Twitter. But the result against uh, against Verona has got to really, really hurt when you're 3-0 up. Uh, and not only do you let the lead slip, but you don't even come away with a single point from that game. It's got to be yeah. Venezia for me, I think. Bad week. Yeah. With Sampdoria close second. I would, uh, before Kenny rightfully mentioned Venezia, I might have given a shout out for um, Andrei Shevchenko's Genoa, who, have ma- who he has managed for four games and he's managed a wonderful uh, zero points, one point, sorry, and zero goals. And uh, in their last match, match against Juventus, uh, Juve had 27 shots to Genoa's zero. Zero shots, not zero shots on target. So uh, that's a pretty terrible week, but. As Kenny mentioned, that comeback victory uh, at home for Venezia must really sting. And this isn't a week where we, we haven't actually had any time to mention the, the mad result between uh, Lazio and Udinese, the 4-4 with three red cards and the 99-minute uh, equalizer. So de- generally very uh, topsy-turvy uh, results. But yeah, Venezia has got to be. Yeah. And are you going to let Kenny give good week to Atalanta? Or are you going to make a case for someone else? Ah, I think uh, let's. I mean, I I would say that Inter have had a very good week, and it could be even better if results go their way in Europe. But um, Atalanta have uh, really climbed up the table, and I think uh, they're they're very at the very least they've put some distance between themselves and fifth. And I think uh, I mean it's quite early days still, but I think the top four is uh, quite solid right now. Yeah, and I yeah. would add into the equation in Atalanta's favor that contract renewal for Gasperini which is uh, what clinches it for me. But um, they are closer to first place than they are to, to fifth. Um, I think they're one point closer also to first than they were at the, you know, last time we spoke. Uh, they're one point further away from fifth than last time we spoke. And that Gasperini thing, yeah, for me, Atalanta. They have five more points than they had at this stage last year. Okay. Uh, and we gave it to Inter last week anyway, so Atlanta. Okay, Kenny, it's time for your upcoming fixtures section. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's going to be absolute fireworks between uh, Atalanta and, and Verona. I think that looks like a very, very exciting game. But I think we have to say it's going to be the, the Genoa Derby's got to be the one to, to watch out for uh, this weekend. Uh, obviously, Boaz mentioned that there's all sorts of... Uh, horror shows going on at uh, Genoa and we've we've spoken about the horror shows at Sampdoria but nonetheless it's always a, a fiery encounter and uh, yeah I think it's going to be a really interesting one so I'm going for that one I'm going for the, the Genoa derby good stuff and Boaz your section keeping up with the Italians our good friend Stefano Kaka scored in a 3-0 win and bringing himself back to top scorer in Turkey 
Uh, this is a week when Macheda didn't score, so it's good to know that the, we have Turkey and Greece covered every week. Uh, Maximiliano Uge has won the Estonian League for the second time with FCA Levida. Um, that's more trophies than England have, so good for him. Um, mm. The excellent work of Cristiano Bergodi continues on at Sepsi Osk uh, as he qualified for the, his club for the semifinals in the Romanian Cup. And uh, in the Bundesliga, we have uh, it was bittersweet news for Daniele Caligiuri, who scored his first uh, goal of the season, but uh, Augsburg lost. That's it for Italians Abroad. Okay, I'm going to start the honourable and dishonourable section with a dishonourable for Baz's internet provider. Um, and then pass straight over to Kenny for his weekly goals honourable. Yeah, yeah. So my goals honourable this week. I mean, there were some absolutely great goals this week. Uh, it could have been Jaco uh, at the end of a 19-pass move for, for Inter second uh, at the weekend. Uh, and it could also have been Simeone for his winner in that, that game for Verona against Venezia, which was an absolutely tremendous finish. But for me this week, I'm going to give it to Musa Barro. Uh, and also with a, a tack on for Svanberg's assist as well uh, for Bologna. Ultimately, they lost the game 3-2, but this was a ball that was floated in from about 30 yards, it was coming over Barrow's shoulder, and he just, like, w- with the instep, volleyed it into the, the top corner. And uh, Boas has raised questions about the goalkeeper's positioning, and I fully acknowledge that, but I don't think it matters where the hell the goalkeeper was. Uh, this, that, that, that would have gone in anyway. Uh, just a fantastic piece of technique. And uh, yeah, Musa Barrow gets the goals honourable for me this week. Yeah, some serious power on it as well, which you might not expect from that description. But um, yeah, my other honourable this week goes to Marcos Savarani, who is the Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper coach, poached from Roma. I noticed his impact because Hugo Lloris, Tottenham fans will know, very rarely comes out for a ball. And he was punching on several occasions. He did miss a couple as well, but he was coming out a lot more against Brentford. So uh, honourable for the impact. Uh, I like the fact that you, you're suggesting that a World Cup winner needs like uh, some changes to his game at the age of 35 plus or something. Well, we remember what he did in the World Cup final. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> And on a slightly r- related note, Baz, um, you've got a dishonourable for the former Tottenham Hotspur manager. I, I briefly mentioned earlier that uh, Roma were pretty shocking against Inter and, and uh, generally having, are having a, like a, one of the weirdest seasons ever. But the bottom line is that uh, with uh, Fonseca, they, ha- they had uh, 33 points at this stage of the season and with Mourinho, they have 23, 25 points. So uh, that's definitely a fall off and... Yes, they lost Zeko, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, the excuses that Mourinho is coming out with are just, they're getting better and better if you're an observer. But it's a bit of a joke. This week he said that uh, there's no way he's going to get angry with any of his players because in the past he was always very angry with his players, but those players could give more, whereas this group of players can't give any more. So he's basically <laughs> saying that his team are rubbish. <laughs> I mean... It must be really fun to come to training at uh, Trigoria every morning to know that your boss thinks you're, you're trash. Yeah, we've seen it before, haven't we, Kenny? But um, we're going yeah. to give uh, a dishonorable... Not sure. This, I hope this is not for the referee. 
No, this is not. I, I know the rules by this stage, Oscar. <laughs> I know that we cannot give dishonorables to, to referees much as we would like to do it on a weekly basis. Uh, but this is a dishonorable for the idiotic sending off of uh, Milinkovic Savic in Lazio's 3-1 win over Samp. I mean, he had uh, scored a great goal uh, beforehand. He was captain. His side were 3-0 up. He got booked for, I mean, he got booked. He got a yellow card for a foul that he disagreed with and turned around and gave the referee an absolute earful that I couldn't actually hear in the in the footage, but you can see uh, how much of an earful he gave the referee and got himself sent off. I mean, as, as captain, when your team's 3-0 up to get yourself sent off for dissent, it takes uh, something special. So it's a uh, stonewall dishonorable, <laughs> I'm afraid, from me. Oh, that does sound special. Paz, this one is an honorable. Yep. It's, uh, since I mentioned uh, my worst Champions League nightmare earlier on, I, it's only right that I mentioned my probably my highest moment, which was the 2003 Champions League final. And uh, at the end of the Milan-Genoa game, uh, Genoa manager Shevchenko and Milan goalkeeper coach Dida hugged. And there was shades of the, their celebration after uh, Shevchenko scored the winning penalty in 2003. A nice uh, sepia tinted memory. Yeah. Uh, no, I just wanted to give a quick honourable to um, Napoli fans uh, for their extended applause at the end of that defeat at home to Atalanta. Um, obviously, love to see that fans are sticking sticking with the team. Kenny, you wanted to give uh, give one to I guess to Inter's social media team. Yeah, I get the socials honourable this week in a break with uh, with tradition. Uh, I was actually told by Boaz before we recorded that I was boring for, for doing this. Uh, but uh, basically, Milan gave an update on... Facetious. <laughs> Milan gave an update on Kerr's injury. Uh, obviously, a really huge blow uh, for a player of his age to to be out for, for six months with what is what appears to be a very, very serious injury. Um, Milan gave the the announcement on social media and Inter quote tweeted Milan's thing and I, I, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me but uh, they basically said like there are many different ways to, to be a champion and get well soon uh, and obviously a reference to uh, the goings on with Ericsson at the Euros so I thought it was a really nice touch and I, I, I would imagine that Milan appreciated that as well and that Kier probably appreciated it yeah, everyone except Baz and the Milan support appreciate it. Um, all right, one more each. Uh, Baz, you can go. Yeah, this is uh, honourable for uh, goals off of corners. Uh, we actually had two this week. My uh, good friend uh, Hakan got one uh, courtesy of Rui Patricio, if we have to be honest. And uh, Cuadrado immediately decided that uh, he should also get on the score sheet. For uh, reference, a goal had not been scored off a corner since uh, 1990 in Italy. And uh, they're overall they're quite rare. Uh, probably the person who's uh, most associated with these are is uh, Diego Maradona, who got quite a few. So overall, uh, very nice to see. Although, uh, as I said, maybe the goalkeeping and slash defending could have been a little bit better. Thanks for that, Buzz uh, and Kenny. Your last one. Yeah. So this one is for Zaniolo's ghost goal for for Roma in that game against Inter, um, where. I think the commentator was getting particularly excited because as the ball came to Zaniolo, he was like, is he going to eventually score? And Zaniolo cracked a ball, which for all 
in fairness, it looked like it rocketed into the top corner and the commentator lost it and was like, and he has, it's a fantastic goal. He's done it. He's done it. And he liked to, obviously Zaniolo turned around knowing that he hadn't scored. The ball had hit the side netting and starts walking off. And at the same time, the fans in the stadium are going nuts as well. The guy in the score controlling the scoreboard in the stadium and on the official broadcast as well changes the score. Everyone basically convinced that Zaniolo had scored this ball, this goal. Uh, Brozovic but, had his hands in his air in his hair. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but no, it was no goal. Uh, Zaniolo seemed to be the only person in the world that knew that he hadn't scored. So it was uh, quite. He should have claimed moment. it. Yeah, should yeah. have done pretty apt to end our episode on a ghost goal when we recorded a ghost episode this <laughs> yeah. evening. so uh, yeah. thanks very much both of you for sticking through it and uh, thank you to our listeners uh, we'll be back again next week until then enjoy the football Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.